the coffee is brewed, phone lines are open, and the morning team is ready to roll. From the Robinson Auto Group Studios, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hello. Well, look who's coming through the door. I think we've met somewhere before. Hello, love. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, love. Where in the world have you been so long? I missed you so since you've been gone. Hello, love. You know, these songs get in my head so much that... uh, my wife came Make home yesterday from shopping. Right I'm sitting in the I living room. Door opens. I sing this to her. She comes out and goes, well, look who's I'm coming through the door. It's like, oh, my Lord. I, it's like I'm living the radio I show all the time. Come on in, set a smile, and join some. Join us here on the Watchdog Morning Show. 36 degrees uh, pretty much across the board. 36 at the airport, 36 at the Highlands, 36 at Elm Grove. Dropping a little bit, 35 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Cloudy skies throughout the day today. Uh, Adam says somewhere in the 9, 10 o'clock-ish range or so, you might begin to see a little bit of snow coming in um, won't be any great accumulation, but it might be enough to be a dusting. And it'll continue for a little bit this morning and then back again late afternoon, early evening. Daytime high around 40, not a whole lot warmer than where we are right now. Uh, tomorrow we'll have some snow showers in the morning as well. Higher elevations, yeah, you might see some actual accumulation, but not a whole lot for you to worry about. But it's, it, it'll be that kind of day where you go, oh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's winter. That's what it is. Uh, So 36 pretty much uh, everywhere across the board. If you want to join us, the Frio Stack Auction Service text line is open, 304-214-1600, 304-214-1600. Or uh, you can use the Frio Stack Auction Service phone lines at uh, 304-232-8255. Either way, happy to get you uh, into the program. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, had Randy Chamberlain here in studio. Randy, a former businessman in Moundsville, now retired, a current city councilman. Um, and he had written a column for the Moundsville Echo newspaper called Around the Mound, which was just a little collection of stories about things in Moundsville history, Moundsville activity, and so on. Uh, and he's got this book, Memories of the Mound. It's collections of his columns. Uh, Randy, the book is selling like hotcakes. Uh, it is available at many of the stores in Moundsville, Fame and uh, Fame and Fortune, Greg's Market. I, I, I don't. I shouldn't even start to try to list them because most of the Moundsville businesses have them. Um, and uh, Randy sent me a note. He said after our last interview, the book sales spiked both locally and on Amazon, so you can buy it on Amazon. Um, and most of the stores that have it are selling out. They got to reorder. They're getting more. Um, Randy's going to have a uh, book signing. Uh, the week of December 11th, I think the 14th, but don't hold me to that. But So uh, he and I get together and talk a little bit more about Memories of the Mound on that particular day. But I guess people are, uh, well, we all, love to, we all love to read little tidbits about the history, right? I think we could do an hour, maybe even longer with Randy just on sports. You know, we never really had a chance. We did a full hour with Randy, never really even uh, got, got past the, the tip of the iceberg with that. Well, I talked to Randy about after the first of the year when the holidays get behind. He, he's going to come in during his book signing week and talk a little bit more. Uh, but after the first of the year, we get past the holidays and get into the slower times in the January period. 
Um, maybe Randy will come in once a month, once every handful of weeks, not for an hour to do a whole in-depth thing, but just, just a, a story or two every once in a while because people love that, I think. And, and He's an old radio guy. It's just uh, a, yep, a lot it. of interesting stuff. And, Howard, you probably heard me talking uh, off the air, but uh, Tom and I completed our support group for the, the Steeler fans, so we got that <laughs> out of the way. Tom Scateri coming up in a minute or two. Uh, Randy's uh, Moundsville book is a good one if you're uh, looking for a Christmas gift. It is local. It's about local stuff. It's written by a local guy, so that's that might be a good gift. We had um, Mike Florio in here earlier this week or last week, whatever it was. Uh, Mike, of course, a Wheeling native, but now a big-time NBC sportscaster, uh, and he's written uh, a new book, a new Christmas book, which is really interesting. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, it's a fun book. It's about a guy that – an attorney who goes out and bumps into a stranger on the street. Turns out it's a ghost of his dad – it's kind of reminiscent of many of the old-time Christmas movies. Uh, again, a local book. And he's going to be at the library. I think that is December 11th. Uh, so you can get a signed copy, and maybe that would be a great gift idea for someone. And, Bob, I'm thinking, because I'm thinking about gifts here, I'm thinking at the auction that's coming up uh, that Frio Stack are going to be having, with which is uh, the auction for the estate of uh, our old friend Tom Burgoyne and the uh, late, great Harold Vitale, there might be some things there that people might want to get and enjoy that could be uh, historical. And if people have certain interests, they might find a nice Christmas gift there as well. Well, I know they would, Howard, because there's really cool stuff there and there's a big variety and you still have time. This is an online auction only, and it'll wrap up beginning next Monday at 10 o'clock. They start with the first lot. They start there. They close it out and they go down in order that way. And Howard hit it on the head. If, if you have that person out there, it's just not just not easy to buy for in Christmas. Go to FrioStack.com. And there's everything from uh, coins, if you have a coin collector in the family. Uh, there's there's memorabilia from the Cleveland Indians, back when they still called them the Indians, Howard. <laughs> uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates from the 60s. Just really, really cool stuff. There's collectibles. And there is an area, there, there's a crock from this area from Wheeling. And there's a ton of uh, crock collectors out there. If you know someone... Go check it out because it's one of those that just it's in really, really good condition. And there's just a really lot of, of really cool stuff all, all, all across the board from furniture, memorabilia, collectibles. And we know this, Howard, if you know anybody that thinks about typewriters, wants to collect <laughs> typewriters, do we have the spot for you, don't we, Howard? And lots of typewriters there. Again, uh, this is the estate of Harold Vitale, who was a teacher at John Marshall High School for a lot of years. A very, just a tremendously nice guy. Um, a very, I don't want to use the word eccentric, but he was, uh, and he liked, he liked typewriters. He, he had unusual, um, interests. Okay. He loved umbrellas, for example. He was an umbrella guy. A lot of them also. And, and he would tell his students about the history of umbrellas and so on. So, um, a lot of really interesting and different stuff there. And then of course, also the estate of Tom Burgoyne, the late, uh, uh, the late FBI agent, Leif Chair. And here's one for you, Howard. I mean, you could jump in and, and get a really good buy on his because, but if you knew a, a baseball fan from this area and you thought, okay, Phil, a 1914 Babe Ruth card, no, not that nice, no, but that. we got a couple no. Hall of Famers here. I'm talking about Bill Mazeroski and Phil Necro and each individual baseball in the holder. These are Hall of Famers. Yes. Now, Maz is still with us. 
Nuxie passed away a couple years ago. But how cool would that be if you were a baseball guy and you opened up? And what's great is you have plenty of time. You still have till next Monday. And then if you have a successful bid, you will pick it up on Thursday. That's December 14th. Plenty of time to get that gift for your loved one for Christmas. And again, the auction is actually underway right now. So go to FrioAndStack.com. Uh, look around. If you see something you want to, then register, place your bid. The bids will begun will begin to close on Monday next week. But you can go and begin to vote, uh, not vote, uh, bid. bid. Hey, bid, hey, bid, And I got to listen, 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 and sold, 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 sold. sold, sold. All right, eight seventeen here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, next, uh, coming up later, Tom Sussman from WMOV Radio, my old friend, former business partner. Uh, is going to be here to talk about a new poll that was done by WMOV on the governor's race, Senate race in West Virginia. And a lot of you have asked, what is Glenn Elliott interested in doing when he leaves the mayor's chair? He is term limited uh, this spring. He's done. Uh, And I have some, not complete information, but I have some information about that that I can pass along to you. The mayor said, yes, it's all right. You can say these things. Go ahead and tell people this stuff. So I will tell you a little bit about Mary Elliott's plans and also lack thereof. So um, that's coming up later on. But right now, Tom Scateri is coming up next. When deciding where to dine in the Ohio Valley, think first of the Highlands. With a full array of fast food choices for everyone in the family, or drop in at the Olive Garden, Cheddar's, Bubba's Burgers, Bob Evans, Fusion, or Panera Bread. Whatever your family's in the mood for, you can find it just off I-70 at the top of the hill. The Highlands, dining, shopping, entertainment, and lodging. My name is Mike Campsey. I am an interventional cardiologist and the chief of cardiology at Wheeling Hospital. I think the value of HVI in this region is tremendous. We offer such a wide spectrum of services from prevention to intervention. We're going to get the patient in as quickly as possible. That's the most tremendous benefit to the patients in this region is we're here 24-7. We're available to see somebody. Are you concerned about losing your home or automobile if you file for bankruptcy protection? Find out if you would lose any property by calling Tom McIntyre at 304-232-8600 or have a free chat conference with his office online at McIntyreLaw.com. Tom has helped thousands of people in our area. He can answer these questions for you. Call 304-232-8600 or check him out online and have a free chat conference. He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. maybe last year uh, one of the bumper musics that we played was um, driving home for Christmas and it was about a guy you know getting driving home and hardly could wait to get home for Christmas and I think you said you had done you had been out of town in the past and one you, time yeah it's that driving home getting you know, thinking about coming to home for Christmas got a, it was a good feeling right well if we got there right out of school I took a job over by uh, 
Chicago, lived out there for eight months, and Christmas Eve, we started home, and uh, just like Dean was saying, man, I couldn't wait to get home, and we took the northern route because I was going to drop someone off in Pittsburgh, Wilmerding, for those of you who know the sections of, of Pittsburgh, <laughs> and we took the higher route, and we went through South Bend, Indiana, Howard, and it was the first time ever, I was 23 years old, I was in a blizzard. Oh, there was trucks everywhere, cars that you couldn't go. And somehow we were able to keep on trucking and we, we made it through the, the blizzard. And I'll never forget that one because I didn't think I was going to make it home for Christmas. <laughs> Driving home for Christmas. 821 of the Watchdog Morning Show. Tom Scuteri is our national correspondent, international correspondent, Pentagon reporter. He is here with us. Also, he is a poet extraordinaire. His poetry is uh, being published in a variety of different places. Uh, Tom, Bob asked me off the air because we were promoting right before you came on you probably heard me talk about a couple of local books that we suggest people might yeah. want to give as christmas gifts is there a book of your poetry available anyplace not yet but keep your fingers crossed and uh i'm working on it i had a nibble from a publisher about a month or so ago and we just didn't come to the terms that i felt comfortable with basically on stuff that the, the rights beyond the publishing that's where there's the hang up uh but i'm getting close to it and i'll let you know uh, I have already have copies for you and Bob in my mind. I'm gonna send you, so. <laughs> You've been wonderful to promote my work. I have a new one coming out. A new a poem is to be published tomorrow in a journal called Cool Beans Light, which has published me before, and I'm excited about it. So I'll let you know what, how it turns out. You know what I have to say about that? Cool Beans. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a great name? <laughs> a great name, and uh, they're great people. They start, It's a new publication and it has art and it's just really extraordinary it's really honored to be in it tom let's shift gears to the tough stuff let's yep. get to the is israel hamas war which seems to be intensifying we had an american warship actually um i don't know if attacked is the right word but uh, uh targeted <laughs> that up howard you know we i'm sorry to interrupt you but here's the dance that we do at the pentagon so we've had a couple uh we've had a warship in the red sea in the gulf of aden which is south of the red sea uh, shooting down missiles fired by the Houthi. Now, the Pentagon insists that these our ships are not the target, yet the missiles come close enough so the commander of the ship feels that he, and happens to be he in this case, has to take defensive Evasive action. action. Yeah, right. Right, you know, which is fine, you know, which is what you want that person to do. But they will not call it an attack. In other words, that the ships were not targeted. Nobody is believing it. I think I sent to you, and we can't talk about it on air, I realize that, the transcript yesterday from the briefing we had, it was an off-camera briefing, where reporters are pointing out, we got all this stuff going on in you know Syria, in Iraq, attacks on U.S. forces. Now we have this increase of missiles flying towards U.S. ships in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. But these things aren't related to what's going on in Gaza. You know, it just makes you say, come on, guys, let's get real here. And the reason is, we don't know what we, the United States, doesn't know quite how to react to deter these attacks because Iran's behind them all. And, and, and it seems to me I've seen some comments from Defense Secretary Austin and also from um, your friend John Kirby uh, uh, on TV, <laughs> TV recently. Um, they seem to be walking a line. You know, they, yeah. they want to be, quote, tough, I think. That's my word, not theirs. They want to be tough. They want to make sure, but, and yet not be too tough. Am I, is that the way you would read it? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I read it. And, you know, there's a there's a concern of uh, crossing some kind of line and and getting into a much messier uh, conflict or confrontation with Iran, which is a legitimate concern. 
Um, I believe, however, looking at from the other side, Iran is trying to push it as far as they can. They think they know how far they can go to get away with it. Just think back, Howard, um, during the Cold War, if um, if a U.S. ship had been attacked with a missile, what yeah. the response would have been. Uh, you know, of course, I realize it's a different time and all that stuff, and that's all fair, but still, uh, the Pentagon's other phrase they use a lot, we'll respond at a time and place of our choosing, but these boilerplate lines aren't having any impact on the attacks on U.S. Uh, assets, meaning ships and bases, and personnel. It, it, it makes me nervous. It, you know, the one thing I would hate to see us do is, is dragged into this conflict in any direct way, but when our military asset is in the midst of things, it makes me nervous. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. It makes me nervous when I hear some of these reports. So one of the plans being floated yesterday afternoon, and we make it more on it today, is the U.S. is trying to organize some kind of international escorts for ships now in, in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden into the Persian Gulf to protect against Houthi missiles. But there's no talk about uh, going after the sites of launching these missiles in Yemen. Again, that's, a, that's an escalation, I realize that, nor am I necessarily advocating it. I mean, you know, as long as you, you can have escorts, but you'll be then a shooting gallery, basically. The um, ceasefire was gone. We, but it was extended, and that was good. And we yeah. did get some hostages released, although stories continue to come out of what happened to the hostages and those who are still there. Uh, but the ceasefire is now over, and it seems to me that the the battling is getting worse, not better. It's correct. Another correct statement by you. Uh, Israel has told, for example, the World Health Organization to evacuate its supplies from a medical warehouse in southern Gaza mm. within 24 hours because that's going to likely be hit, the medical warehouse. Uh, the, you know, the United States has a great concern about Israel's tactics in the south, repeating what they did in the north. Um, a lot of There's no place for these civilians to go, Howard. Uh, I mean, it's just no place for them to go. You know, Gaza's small anyway, and they, Israel told them to go south, and they went south, and now they're going to be bombing there. I'm not. I'm trying hard not to criticize Israel here, and I know it sounds like I am, but I'm, I'm speaking more to the frustration that you know there doesn't seem to be a lot of op- Israel has to go after Hamas in its eyes, and many people agree with that. What Hamas did on October 7th, and what they're continuing to do now with the hostages, you know, think, this is really sounds really cold and calculating, and it is. Most of the time, when hostages are taken, they're male hostages used as bargaining chips to get rid of, you know, get your guys free. Well, Hamas planned, they, they attacked a kibbutz in Israel, for example, all civilians, no military, and they took, as we know, elderly people, women and children, and they're still holding a lot of those right. individuals, which is uh, really blood curling. And they're doing, and, and obviously, and as you, as you're, the point you're making is, it's being done on purpose, it is. Yes. It's terror. I mean, it's it, the, it's a the, form of terrorism. It, yes. Yes. And and it's um, and again, it's why I, you've heard me say the last couple of times we've talked. I have a very hard time even watching the news about this uh, war anymore because I am so horrified and depressed when I see some of this stuff, and when I hear some of the stories that the freed hostages mm-hmm. tell, um, or that others tell about what happened to the hostages and those who were in captivity. Um, it not only breaks my heart, but it brings me to tears. Yeah, it's, it's it's devastating to hear and to think about. And as you point out, you know, we're getting as harsh as what we're hearing. That's still a sanitized version. 
Israel Hamas has kind of uh, taken priority number one, which is, I was thinking about this yesterday, sort of pushed the Ukrainian-Russian war to the back burner, uh, which probably does not sit well with Ukraine, I would guess. I don't mean they're angry about it, but I mean the reality is that it's no longer getting most of our attention or even the world's attention. That's correct. Uh, you know, it's winter now there, and it's been a tough fight for both sides. Uh, Ukraine has made some slow progress, and um, people can dissect why they haven't made more progress. But here's the danger. Yesterday and, and Sunday, hearing words from both the White House and NATO about Ukraine, uh, you know, the White House sent out a warning yesterday, the Office of Management and Budget, that the U.S. would run out of money to end Ukraine by the end of this year. This is December 5th, so we're talking about three weeks. And the, uh, uh, the director of the OMB in, her, in the warning said that, failure to pass the aid would kneecap Ukraine in its battle. Kneecap was the word used. And uh, the head of NATO, uh, Jan Schultenberg, said in an interview with a German newspaper broadcaster that, you know, we have to support Ukraine in both good and bad times. And here's what made me pause, Howard. He said, we should also be prepared for bad news. Mm. Okay. So, you know, if you're Ukraine hearing both of these statements and knowing what's going on, it looks like a very cold winter. And uh, we are still, we have still not yet approved the additional funding for Ukraine, correct? No, it's all, it's all hung up because the uh, Republicans in the Senate want changes to the border policy. They've linked the, bar, the border policy with Ukraine money, with Israel money, with other money. It's, it's no standalone bill for Ukraine. Now, Schumer, Senator Schumer, who's the majority leader, he has a vote. He's trying to get a vote this week on Biden's package. It's $106 billion, Howard for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and border security. That vote is exposed to the fail because of Republican opposition, because of this border situation they're negotiating. Over in the House, uh, Mike Johnson, the new speaker, uh, it seems like his honeymoon period may be over. He's, he's really having a hard time cobbling a lot of his own people together once again. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, the issues over there are different. Uh, you know, I hear one day they're going to move forward with the Biden impeachment and the other they're not. Uh, that, and remember, when that, even what the Senate passes has to still get through the House, the, the money bill. Uh, he, you know, he, he's doing, I thought actually, con- considering what he's facing, Howard, he's not doing a bad job of kind of holding the ship balanced anyway. It's not sinking over there as it was, you know, the last couple of weeks and months. But look, this is, again, I mean, we're stating it's December 5th. There's a lot of work to be done domestically uh, on issues, and we still have Ukraine to deal with, as we just talked about. And the escalation of what's happening in the Middle East, you're going to have Congress going out of session, and even when it's in session, it's drifting. Tom, let me shift gears just slightly, uh, uh, still Pentagon-related, but there was an audit done of Pentagon spending, and it didn't come out too well. No, we, we, you and I talked about this briefly a couple of weeks. The actual audit was released about two weeks ago, and the Pentagon failed again. The audit basically said out of 10 areas that need that are checked, they failed in seven of them. Well, it came out yesterday in further you know, reporting by the General Accounting Office, Accountability Office, excuse me, which is a nonpartisan entity of, of the government, um, that the Pentagon, I want listeners to sit down for this, cannot account for 63% of $3.8 trillion, he is in Tom, trillion dollars in assets. That means assets are like equipment and spare parts, that type of thing. 
They can't. They don't know where it is, Howard. <laughs> I mean, three percent of it. I'm laughing. There's nothing funny about that, but we did. Now, sixty tr- trillion dollars, three point five trillion dollars. We can own our own radio stations for that amount. <laughs> anybody seen this stuff? Bob, Bob this stuff? we can buy the Steelers I, for that. Bob, anybody know where the, the stuff is? I don't know where the stuff is. I mean, that's just. Um, well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Much of it is in possessed by military contractors. But the Pentagon doesn't know that. You know why? They don't have access to the contractor records. Now, you know, this is, uh, this is not a new phenomenon. Uh, the last time it was checked, the year before, it was 61% they couldn't account for. So now it's not 63%. It's getting worse. Wow. Uh, 8.33, 27 wow. to the hour here, Watchdog Morning Show. Hey, Tom, listen, it's been good to riz up you today. Yeah, you like that, huh? <laughs> TikTok. TikTok comes on top. Oxford University Press calls riz the word of the year. It means char- charisma, Howard. I, I, it's defined as style, charm, or attractiveness, the ability to attract romantic or sexual partners. In other words, it's the opposite of me. <laughs> you know, the story crossed my desk a couple of days ago, and I looked at it, and I do yeah. these stories sometimes, the new word and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I thought, I never heard of Riz. Riz, what? I Bob, do you ever hear of Riz? No, but stay Riz, you guys. Stay Riz, Riz. I guess it's a good thing. Um, yeah. To Riz up means to attract, seduce, or chat up a person. All yeah. right. Well, Merriam-Webster, you know, the, the dictionary, their word of the year was authentic. I think that's more of us. I like that much better. Yes. Authentic is much. I just sometimes, but you know, I'm so out of touch with with language maybe of today. I, again, it, it's not even a word I ever heard. Sometimes I hear the new words and I, I at least know the word. I'm not quite sure what it is. I never heard of Riz. But, well, you're a Riz king. You're a Riz king. Apparently. Describe a person who's very charming or persuasive, Howard. You're I, persuasive. I, I am exceedingly charming and persuasive. I am a Riz. Bob, from now on, remember, I'm a Riz king. You are, Howard. And today's uh, Dean Martin. I mean, nobody was Riz like uh, Dean. Nobody Dino. was Riz. Than oh, <laughs> Dean Martin was Riz. Yeah, Dino. he was totally Riz. <laughs> well, Tom, you're a Riz kind of guy. And uh, it's always good talking to you. We'll do it again next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank Bye. you, sir. 835, 25 to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Tom Scateri, our national correspondent working out of the Pentagon for us uh, every day. Poll came out uh, a couple of weeks ago was while we were on vacation, so we didn't get a chance to talk with Tom Sussman, who did the poll, whose radio station uh, commissioned the poll, um, on the U.S. Senate race, on the uh, governor's race, and an interesting little takeout that he did on Alex Mooney. And I'm going to ask Tom, I have asked Tom Sussman to come in and join us in the next half hour. So we'll get into that uh, in a minute or two. And yes, I said I've got some a little bit of info about uh, Mayor Elliott. I talked to the mayor a good bit yesterday uh, off the air about um, what his future may be and may not be. And I'll share with you some of the things that I know and have learned, and we'll do that coming up as well. And right now, Taylor Long is. Ta- uh, I better check. Is she ready? I think she's ready. Taylor Long is hanging out here, ready for Ohio Valley headlines. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your seven news headlines on this December the fifth. New this morning, Levi Thomas of Brook County was arrested after allegedly punching canine officer Duke during a bond violation incident in Fallensby. Thomas attempted to flee, leading to Duke's release to apprehend him. In an effort to escape, Thomas reportedly hit Duke multiple times. After his arrest, Thomas was treated at a hospital and then taken to the Northern Regional Jail, facing charges of bond violation, fleeing on foot, and resisting arrest. 
And continuing coverage, the body of 27-year-old Katie Ann Fuller, who was reported missing from Stark County, was found decomposed on North Orchard Road in Sandy Township. The Tuscarawas County Sheriff's Office, which is investigating the case, stated that there were no signs of trauma. Fuller was known to struggle with substance abuse. The exact cause of death is pending on a complete autopsy and forensic testing. And over to Brook County, EMA is trying to prepare residents for winter weather with their Storm Ready program. They will be hosting a winter weather storm spotter training course taught by the National Weather Service out of Pittsburgh. The program will be held in the River Room at the Brook County Library in Wellsburg. It's free to the public. It starts at 6.30 on Wednesday, December 13th. Brook County residents that come will receive free NOAA weather radios with proper ID. Now, officials say it's important for residents to come so they can better prepare themselves in case of a winter storm. They also say to make sure your family has a plan in place in case of an emergency. Staying in Brook County this Sunday, Wellsburg is welcoming the Little Roaming Railroad. The town square by City Hall will be buzzing with excitement from 2 to 4 p.m. as Santa and the Grinch Mobile make an appearance for the children. Families can also indulge in milk, cookies, and candy. This festive gathering, made possible by a generous anonymous donor, is free for all to attend. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. Read that story coming up on today's Mountaineer Report, brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. The holidays start here at Kroger with a variety of options to celebrate traditions old and new. You could do a classic herb-roasted turkey or spice it up and make turkey tacos. Serve up a go-to shrimp cocktail or use Simple Truth wild-caught shrimp for your first Cajun risotto. No matter how you shop, Kroger has all the freshest ingredients to embrace all your holiday traditions. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With Kroger brand products, you can make all your favorite things this holiday season. Because Kroger brand's proven quality products come at exceptionally low prices. And with a money-back quality guarantee, every dish is sure to be a favorite. These are a few of my favorite things. Whether you shop delivery, pickup, or in-store, Kroger brand has all your favorite things. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The preparation continuing today for the Mountaineer basketball team as they get ready for tomorrow night's backyard brawl against the Pitt Panthers. A reminder, it's a late start inside the Coliseum. Tip-off tomorrow night, ready to go at 9 o'clock. Coming up tonight, the Big East-Big 12 battle continues. Got some interesting matchups, and the outcome of this series remains in flux. Right now, going into tonight's games, the series is tied at three games apiece based on last week's action. As for this evening, Oklahoma is at home to Providence, the Sooners, but a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Kansas State at home, but a slight underdog to Villanova. Wildcats are favored by a point-and-a-half. And lastly, Baylor, an 11-and-a-half-point favorite against Seton Hall. As I said, series right now is tied at three games apiece. After tonight's three games are complete, one game left, and that is tomorrow as Texas plays at Marquette. That should be a real good game. As for the Big 12 Conference as a whole, once again, really, really good. The NCAA net rankings have been released, and half, that's seven out of the 14 schools in the conference, are in the top 19 in the net ranking. 
Houston comes in at number one, BYU two, Baylor six, Iowa State 13, Cincinnati 14, Kansas 16, Oklahoma at number 19. You got TCU 41, Texas 59, Texas Tech 87, and unfortunately, last but not least is West Virginia, 14th out of 14th among the Big 12 schools. They come in overall at 209 out of 339 schools. That is today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield. With the weather changing, now's a great time to head on into your local Toyota dealer, where legendary performance and reliability go hand in hand. Check out a sporty Camry with available all-wheel drive and Toyota Safety Sense, or the spacious RAV4, turning heads with amazing fuel efficiency. And now, explore Toyota like never before, with hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and full electric options. Visit buyatoyota.com today. Offers end October 31st. Toyota, let's go places. He's a jolly old man with a big white beard. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe with 10,000 watts of power. But baby, it's cold outside. But baby, it's cold outside. Been hoping that you drop in. I'll hold your hands, they're just like ice. Beautiful. I don't think we're allowed to play this anymore. I think this is like some kind of a seduction scene or something. Well, that's Dean. That's what he does, Howard. I know, but you know, in this day and age, uh, you know, I want you to spend the night. Uh, it's too cold to go outside, to have another drink. Jeez. We played a He's not Bill Cosby, Howard. That's Dean Martin. I, I know. It's just, I'm just, you know, thinking. I love that song, by the way. <laughs> Baby, it's cold outside. It is cold. 36 degrees. Well, not cold, but it's cool. 36 degrees. Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 36 degrees at the Highlands. 37 in my backyard in Elm Grove, where I'm not today. And 35 degrees here at the Robinson Otter Group Studios, downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Another hour or so, and then we might see a little bit of rain beginning to mix with some snow here in the upper Ohio Valley. Uh, not a whole lot, but a little bit of morning white stuff will come down. It'll stop and then come back late afternoon, early evening. Again, not a lot of what you would call accumulation. You might see a dusting on the ground. You might see it enough to notice it. Um, and higher elevations, uh, Adam said we could have a couple of inches, maybe. That's a maybe, and that's not How a about West one. Liberty, Howard? How West, do you I know. You've got a fixation on West Liberty. The weather snob told me that off the uh, Frio Stack auction service uh, text line. Um, daytime high around 40, not a whole lot warmer than it is right now. And pretty much uh, tomorrow we'll see some snow showers in the morning around 40, 40 throughout the work week. Uh, we'll get a little bit warmer, close to 60 come Saturday and in the 50s on Sunday. But um, just sometime, through, it's not going to be a, quote, snow day, I don't think. We've been surprised before. But it's going to be one of those days where you'll notice that it's winter. You'll say to yourself, oh, I guess it's winter outside. I guess it's winter outside. Um, right before our holiday break at Thanksgiving time, my friend Tom Sussman from WMOV Radio released a new poll. They do polling throughout the year uh, for the radio station. Uh, and uh, this year, in this particular poll, they took a look at the big races in West Virginia, the Senate race and the governor's race, among others. We didn't have a chance to really talk about it because we went on vacation the day 
Literally, the hour that it went out was the hour that we went, <laughs> we went out. So I asked Tom to come in and talk to us about that. I want to get into one particular part of it later, but Tom, good morning. Welcome to the show. Sorry it's been two weeks since I had a chance to talk to you. Well, Howard, it's good to talk with you, but the timing is good because I think in Hoppy's debate coming up here in a day or two, Hoppy's- where he's going to be talking to the gubernatorial candidates minus Patrick Morrissey. Yep, that'll be on, I believe it's Thursday night at 7 o'clock, and uh, I think we're carrying it here. I have to double-check our uh, WVU stuff, but uh, I think we'll be carrying that. Well, that's what got us. we got high school basketball. It's got us messed up. We'll yeah. be, I think we'll be carrying it. Well, let's, I was going to start, start with the Senate race because that's the easy one, but let's start with what you, what you discover with the governor's race. Uh, uh, it is, according to your poll, I guess I might say it's almost anyone's race, right? Oh, the governor's race is definitely anybody's race. Um, we we looked at that, and let me find this uh, find the separate. So, um, if you look at it, Patrick Morrissey is leading at thirty point five percent. More Capito has twenty two point six percent. Chris Miller has ten point four percent. Mac Warner has thirteen point seven percent. So, really, not a lot has changed. Um, seeing a little bit of movement with Mac Warner, uh, but again. This is, um, you know, we're so early, and none of these candidates, I think, are doing a great job of defining their opposition. They're trying to define themselves. Um, but I always go back to the Gaston Caperton run, where by November he was up on TV and defining who he was. And we just don't see that. We see a little bit of um, social media with Mac Warner, a little bit with Patrick Morrissey, and a lot of shoe leather with all four of them. Um, but, yeah, at this point, with a 22% undecided and no negatives out there yet, it is anybody's race. They are um, – and what basically what they're all trying to do is out-Trump each other. Maybe Trump is not quite the right – out-conservative each other, basically. Correct. Yeah, and it's um, – and, and the interesting thing, so the true – the ones that I think have, have, have the people know as being true conservatives – um, and I'm not dissing the other two, is Mac Warner. I mean, he held a stop the steal sign a couple of days after the election. And Patrick Morrissey, who's filed all the lawsuits against the Biden EPA. So um, so I think that those folks, you know, they have the, the conservative credentials. Uh, more Capito is portraying himself as a conservative, and I think he is conservative. I'm not sure he's as conservative as Mac Warner. And then Chris Miller, who, in talking to him, he's a conservative, but he's also an unknown. So in, in our neck of the woods down in the southern part of the state, we see the TV commercials. We are aware of the Miller family. But I would suggest in your neck of the woods, not a lot of name ID for Chris Miller. And he's got to overcome that. And the election's just in May. Yeah, but I, I have been, uh, maybe not surprised is the right word, because the numbers don't necessarily show this, but... When Chris Miller announced, to me, he was one of these, Tom, you know, in every election, there's usually a candidate that's just in there and is not of any great consequence, but he's on the ballot and makes a little noise and hands out press. It's kind of what I thought of Chris Miller. But I'm getting the sense that he is a he is a more serious candidate. Now, he's got, as you point out, terrible name recognition anywhere. Actually, he's got great name recognition up here in the Emperor Ohio Valley, except it's a dead furniture salesman whose name is Chris Miller. You know, but uh, I mean, he's got. Uh, I, I just think he's. I think he's got. He's more of a real candidate than I had realized. Well, when you put three million dollars in a bank account to run for governor, that that gives you immediate credentials. And then, you know, they have a very successful car dealership, and they've built a very nice um, business. 
And so if he can communicate his business building skills to the public and the public agrees with his message, then I think he could very much be part of the selection. He is uh, in your poll uh, last of the group, but still he's in double digits, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 10. 10 point, 10 point four. Ten point four. Well, ten percent is double. So he is at least in double digits. I, I, I don't know if he makes it to the top, but it, he's. I think he's. He's in there. Hey, what do you make of Patrick Morrissey choosing not to take part in Metro News's debate this week? I think it's a mistake because it's going to allow um, more capital, Chris Miller and Mac Warner, to define him. Now, do I think this debate's going to have overwhelming listenership at seven o'clock on on the seventh? You know, I don't know that it will, but where it's going to come into play is the TV stations will be running news clips. The uh, Metro News and Talk Line will be running discussions about it. The newspapers will have it. You'll be talking about it on your radio show. I'll be talking about it on my radio station. And, and I think by not being part of that, he will allow the other three to define him in a way that's not positive. Um Neither, none of these people have the lead that President Trump has in the Republican primary for president. So I, I really question that strategy on this one. I, was I, mean, I could understand it if it was the Brotherhood of the Buffaloes and they're having something at um, <laughs> you know, the holler. Yeah, I get that. But this was a little more than that. Brotherhood of the Buffaloes. <laughs> Now, I was going to make the same point about Trump. Trump could afford to not uh, be part of the debates because he is so far ahead um, in the polls, and he just he is a he is a candidate into himself. Patrick Morrissey is not in that category in this uh, gubernatorial race, at least in my opinion. Um, and I'm with you. I think it's a it's a mistake not to be part of that. And I there's well, a, he not talked about. It. I mean, Patrick's not talked about it, and he said he was going to try and do some counter programming, um, which is great. But you know, Trump can like sneeze and ends up on the front page of the paper, right? Um, that's a little more difficult for, for, for General Morrissey. Um, but, you know, Morrissey's got a ton of supporters. He's got a ton of money in the bank. So, and he's a very smart individual. So his crew may have a strategy that we'll see unveil here um, in two days that proves us all wrong and proves him correct. Let's shift gears to the U.S. Senate race. Uh, your poll, uh, WMV's poll uh, done by American Pulse, I think was the name of the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just simply verifies what we have been talking about for the last number of months. Jim Justice is just his favorability ratings, his uh, electability ratings, just so far ahead of Alex Mooney, right? Oh, it is. And I think, with, and, and I don't know if it's a reflection on Alex Mooney or a reflection on Jim Justice. Jim Justice has a total hard name ID of 95.7%. So in the state of West Virginia, there are 4.3% of the people who don't know who Jim Justice is. I'd really like to meet those people. I, say, I wonder who they Probably. are. <laughs> who are they? Um, but I think that's what that's what he's facing. And, you know, when uh, it looked like it might be a race between Joe Manchin and Jim Justice, they both have that kind of universal name recognition. I don't know that people dislike Alex Mooney, well, I mean, there are people disliking, um, but uh, it's, you know, I think his issue is that people really like Jim Justice. And so in that one, um, we had 55.7% say that they're for justice in the primary. And, you know, we poll Republicans and independents. So, um, so this is a cross-section of the electorate who will be voting in that primary. Uh, second place came not sure, don't know, which is at 22.1%. And then uh, Congressman Mooney was at 19.9%. So 
clearly uh, now the club for growth is supposedly spending a million dollars on TV. Um, since they're not using radio, I think it will be ineffective. <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but if they don't move, if they don't move the needle, if they don't move, um, you know, if he doesn't come up four or five points, if they don't see that message resonating, then I would suggest that, um, many will be in this race by himself. They had they had talked about uh, ten million dollars uh, up front that they were going to put into Mooney's campaign, but I, uh, my my just my little layman's political analysis here is I don't think these ads are going to. And here's the problem, Tom, which I think you would concur with: all of the negatives of Jim Justice doesn't pay his bills, owes fines, owes back taxes, uh, even some of the, the uh, administrative issues, you know, the Southern Regional Jail problem, they are already well known to the public, and he still has a 73% favorability rating. Well, we polled the question about the debts, because I was curious. And while 43% said well, they, they may be less likely to vote for him, what was real interesting is you break it down as like, you know, hard not vote for him or hard will vote for him. And the hard will vote for him because the debts exceeded the will not vote for him. So um, there's a feeling in this country and our pollster, we didn't poll this, but our pollster was talking about it, where people don't trust lawsuits of political entities uh, anymore, partly yeah. because of what's going on with Donald Trump. Um, and so, therefore, those don't resonate. Now, I would suggest to you some of the administrative issues. Um, all the negatives so far have been on his financial billings. Uh, no one's really lined up on the administration stuff. So I don't know. We didn't test that. So I can't tell you where that would be or if it would be effective or not. But given this lead, um, it's going to take, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars to pull the uh, to pull the governor down. And, and I just don't see that at this juncture. Talking to Tom Sussman from WMOV Radio this morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, Stephen Adams, uh, the Ogden reporter, in his column, I think just last night, uh, it took me a while to figure out what he was talking He was talking about putting up his Christmas lights, and, you know, his wife wanted to get him up early this year, and they got the lights up right after Thanksgiving, and the tree was up. And and I'm thinking, what 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 kind of political column is this? And then he went into the issue of when is early too early and he was really basically talking about Alex Mooney, who jumped into the Senate race literally, I, I think literally the day after, if not the day after, the week after he was elected to Congress. Right. Got in immediately saying he was going to run for the Senate, and now he is floundering. It's my word, but, I mean, he is yeah. on the wrong side of all the polling uh, numbers right now. Uh, maybe Stephen has a good point. He, the, the, the Mooney just jumped in a little bit too early. Well, the, at the time, and again, I don't know the validity of this, but um, what we had heard is that he wanted to get into it early because his fear was that Patrick Morrissey would get into it before him, and the two of them couldn't run against justice and be successful. So I think he wanted to be first on base. Um, and now, in retrospect, that may have been a mistake. And you know, so now Morrissey, who didn't run for U.S. Senate, leading in the polls now for the Republican primary nomination. Um, but yeah, that's a, yeah, it's, it's um, he went to play where he probably shouldn't have played. So you did an interesting uh, takeout on your poll. Um, and I want to begin by saying Alex Mooney has shown no indication of doing this. All right. That's just, but still speculation. And I have speculated on the air about this already. 
what if Mooney said, look, this Senate thing, I can't win it. I, I'm, I'm right. being pounded badly by Jim Justice. It's just not my day. Let's go back and run for re-election to my current congressional seat. You actually polled on that. Yeah, we did. And because we're hearing people, and it may just be political supposition that, you know, that, that Mooney may be backing up. And, and we've talked to the to the Moore campaign, the Riley Moore's campaign, and I said, well, we've talked to Mooney and he's not backing up. And I kind of the thought in the back of my brain was that, yeah, before Ryan Well backed up for attorney general, I'm, <laughs> sure, he, I'm sure he didn't go, well, I'm thinking about running for state senate. Will you support me for attorney general? So, um, you know, and I've seen this happen a lot where candidates, and they call this pre-candidacy for a for a purpose. It's exploratory committees. We're looking at what we're doing. So this is not a contract. But we looked at that and we so we pulled the whole state, but then we segregated the results out of the eastern panhandle that in the northern panhandle, that congressional district. And um, 41.1 percent said they would vote for Alex Mooney. 11 uh, and then uh, 40.8 percent was unsure so that's number two and then rally Moore was at 11.6 percent and then some auto runs that were in you know single digits if if mooney were and again i want to stress he has shown no indication of doing this yet um but if mooney were to get back into that race it'd be bad news for uh for more well i think more would have to fight it i mean i was kind of shocked that mooney was only at 41.1 percent after they spent so much money beating um congressman mckinley and the number of points that were up on the air within that district, I mean, it's only been two years. Um, and still to have only and have 40.8%, not sure. And he really, you know, when you add up Riley's votes and, and unsure and, and the also runs, you know, there's almost 59% of the people who say they'll not vote for Alex Mooney if the election were held on that day. Um, so, no, I, but I think Riley's going to have to hustle, and, and, and it'll, be, it'll be ugly, and it'll be interesting. Uh, Riley was introduced by, was endorsed by Kevin McCarthy, but, you know, McCarthy's no longer speaker. So I don't know where Mike Johnson comes in this situation and where the powers that will be running the House and where the Congressional Campaign Committee, at the end of the day, if many backs up, you know, what happens, or does he – run for Senate, and then go to K Street and hang out a lobbying certificate. I don't know. I mean, if Mooney stays running for the Senate, in my informed opinion, I think he, he loses. And I don't know where he goes now because I'm not sure he can – I'm not sure then he can go back to, to, to run for Congress. Certainly can, but I'm not sure that would be very successful. No, I think he goes, I think he goes to D.C. and lobbies or – becomes a consultant or does something like that line. And I mean, one I, of the I big don't. issues, I've only got 30 seconds, but you mentioned a moment or two ago, a lot of the outside money coming into these races, particularly the Senate race, uh, may be adjusted now that Manchin's out of the game. I, the, 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 the Republican money coming in from different people was going to be to try to make sure that the seat turned red. But clearly at this moment the seat's going to turn red. Unless Zach Shrewsbury has some magical thing up his sleeve. Well, I think that money is going to be determined on what shade of red you want. Is it medium rare or raw red? <laughs> and there will be a fight between medium rare and raw red. Tom, i got to run. I appreciate your time. As always, my friend, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Uh- Howard, have a great day. All right. Uh, A little behind time. Sorry, Bob, I forgot about the break. I apologize. No problem, Howard. It's 9 o'clock. ABC News already in progress. Another war, the one in Ukraine.